our conventions, but I actually became pretty good at bridge, and I quite like bridge because you get to think ahead and you get to strategize. So why don't I like chess? Because that's all, like, all, all about the same sort of thing. Well, the reason I don't like to play chess is because I don't like to lose. And every time I play chess, I'm a beginner. I've never really put the time and effort in to learn how to play chess well. You know, I'm the sort of guy who'll say, Queen, powerful, like, Queen can do anything. Okay, take this, you white team, smash, smash. Oops, someone got my king. That's how I play chess. It doesn't work very well. You see, if you need to, I think if you want to learn how to play chess well, you need to learn how to lose. You need to be prepared to lose. You need to be prepared to play with opponents that are better than you who are most likely going to beat you. You need to lose a lot to learn strategy, to learn tactics, to learn the way chess works. It's a little bit like learning our instruments. I believe, I've been told, in fact, I can almost remember, in fact, I can remember, David Luo wasn't always a great guitar player. He's put the time in to become good. You have to learn an instrument. You have to learn how to be bad for a while, maybe for a long while. There's a basic life lesson here. Nothing great in life is achieved without risk and failure. You have to learn how to lose. Even in chess, one of the strategies of chess, I believe, is that actually you learn, you've got to be prepared to lose a bit. That's one of the strategies, so I'm going to sacrifice my rook or my bishop so that they come and take that and, ah, I've exposed them and now I can go get them and they didn't even see that coming. You've got to learn how to lose. To win. We're in John chapter 19 now, chapters 18 and 19. The passion of Jesus in John's gospel the greatest gift as Jesus gives his life for us. And I think these chapters are a perfect illustration of that point. The stakes are really high, more so than chess. We're talking about the game of life, the game of eternity and forgiveness. And you've got to learn how to lose to win. I'm going to look at this passage using the analogy of a chessboard. And power games and objectives on the chessboard. Consider the various characters. Jesus will be our white king. He's totally isolated. The whole black team's against him. He gets crowned by the black pawns, who are the Roman soldiers, with a crown of thorns. They serve the black queen, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor who's constantly pestered by all the black bishops, the religious Jewish leaders. So I want to look at these characters, one in turn, and say, what is for them the end game? What are they playing for? And are they prepared to lose so that they might win? Start at the top of the tree with Pontius Pilate, the Black Queen, governor of Judea appointed by Caesar. He has the power of life and death. He has an army that serves his command. 
he has the power of the Roman emperor behind him, empire behind him. And he's worked for it. He married well, he served as a Roman legionnaire, went to Rome, married well, got appointed to this, the previous Emperor Augustus, Emperor Augustus' granddaughter, is who he married. He's been appointed governor of Judah, Judea. Everybody knows that you need pilot on side, on your side, if you're going to achieve anything, if you're going to win. Because nothing happens with his, without his okay. The Jews, therefore, bring Jesus before Pilate, the governor. And they have an objective. They want Jesus dead. They want him crucified so that he is cursed. So, well, let's ask, what's Pilate's endgame? Pilate's endgame is survival. He just wants to survive. Which is odd because he's already made it. He is a winner already. He, surely now he can focus on doing good. I think we'll have good government in Judea. Justice and righteousness and peace. And honour. Because I've made it, I'm secure now, yeah? But no, 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 Pilate's endgame is not good government. Pilate's endgame is purely survival. Now that seems odd, doesn't it, until you've become successful, very successful. Because where is there? When you've, become, when you've reached the top of the tree, where, how far, where do you go next? The only place to go is down. And so, so many people who become successful spend all of the rest of their days just trying to survive. Just trying to stay there at the top of the tree with lots of people wanting to bring them down. In chapter 18, he tries to appease the Jewish leaders. He is, after all, look after his people. He encounters Jesus, who's brought to him, and he examines him. He goes out and says, listen, there's no charge. This guy's done nothing that I can see that's worthy of a charge. So he offers to release Jesus to them as a prisoner at the Passover festival, as is the habit. And they say, no, give us Barabbas, give us the murderer, give us the insurrectionist in place of this innocent man. Pilate's struggling to maintain control of the Black Queen. He fe he's fearful to crucify an innocent man. He knows he's innocent, but he's actually fearful to crucify this wonder worker, this man who said that I am a king from another place. I am the king of truth. And Pilate is disturbed. The Jews want Jesus dethroned. They want him out of the way. So Pilate hatches a plan to satisfy the mob. So Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers, after that beating, put a, weave a crown of thorns and place it on his head like a crown and wrap him in a purple robe, a royal robe. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. Pilate says this repeatedly. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. He's humiliated. He's powerless. He's bloodied. He's mocked. He is beaten. 
Look, he is no longer any threat to you. I, with my power, have punished him. But they're not satisfied. As soon as the chief priests and officials threw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, he says it again, I find no basis for a charge against him. So that's it, the end of the story. Because the black queen has all the power and when the black queen, queen says no charge, end of story, move on. But the Jews come back with one comment that brings it all down. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law. And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. Blasphemy. The son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid and he went back inside. Pilate's afraid. He's fearful. What's he fearful of? Of the Jews? He's actually not so fear, afraid of the Jews as he is of Jesus, who is, they say, the Son of God. He's already said, I'm the King of Truth. The one that he has beaten and mocked and scorned. The Son of God. See, Pilate may look scary, the Black Queen, but he knows that his power only extends so far. The Jews annoy him, they are pests, but Jesus scares the wits out of him. He manifests a power, he manifests control and assurance and, and a rule that is greater than Pilate's rule. It's, it's a spiritual rule, it's an eternal rule over life and death. And Pilate knows that he's on the wrong side of that rule, that power. Issues of sin and eternity. So fearing judgment, Pilate, he doesn't want to execute this man because he's scared of Jesus. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. Where do you come from? But Jesus gave no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have Power, either to free you or to crucify you. Be afraid, Jesus, be very afraid. Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting. If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. See, Pilate is afraid. He's afraid of Jesus. He's afraid of the Jews. But more than anything else at this point, he is big time scared of Tiberius, Caesar. The emperor, who was a brutal man who made a name for himself by crushing any hint of rebellion. 
or disloyalty. So if this news gets back to Tiberius, I'm cactus. The Jews threaten with political blackmail. And Pilate's end game is all about survival. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. Pilate ascends his throne of power, the powerful one. And on his throne, he offers Jesus to the Jews yet again, and they shout, crucify, take him away, crucify. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. The Black Queen is a cockroach. Survival is all that it cares about. Fearful scurrying around looking for a safe place to hide. How glorious Pontius Pilate in all of your majesty and power. If you pursue worldly power... And that is not a bad thing. Be very careful. If you sacrifice relationships and morals, if you sacrifice your soul, you will find no security. It will be fleeting and unsatisfying, all your power and success. And great is the fall of the Black Queen when she ends up being just another pawn, crushed. See, Pilate, like so many, is not prepared to lose, to win. He's not prepared to suffer the loss of status and freedom in recognizing who he recognizes who Jesus is, but he's not prepared to lose, to win, so he loses everything. Pilate thinks he's got too much to lose. I've got so much, I can't lose all this. In AD 37... Pilate's still trying to manage these Jews and these Samaritans. There's a rebellion. He, he, um, he causes a massacre. It gets back to Tiberius. And he loses his job. On the way back to Rome, Tiberius thankfully dies. We don't know what happens to Pontius Pilate. Some writers say that he committed suicide. Others think that... Um, others say, that well, there's no report. Maybe that didn't happen. But Pilate lost. He couldn't control them with his cruelty. Unlike Pilate, the black bishops, the chief priests and officials, well, they have the upper hand in this story, don't they? They have power. Pilate may hold the levers of power, but they have the people's hearts. They are shepherds of the flock. They lead the people in the things of God. They uphold the traditions, the law and the prophets. So what is the long game for the chief priests and the officials in Jerusalem? Surely, just read your Old Testament, it's faithfulness to God. It's fidelity to the scriptures. It's hope for the Messiah. It's the good of the Jewish nation. It's peace. It's a future. It's a calling from God. They are so very like us. Because we would affirm all those things as good Christian people. 
But the chief priests and officials seem to have taken their eyes off the prize. For them, there is no long game. They just want the short game. Kill Jesus. They've forsaken the long game out of envy. They're consumed by bloodlust. We want Jesus crucified. We are not interested in justice. We're, in fact, we're prepared to have a murderer released that we might kill an innocent man. And even if when Pilate has Jesus beaten, that doesn't satisfy their bloodlust. As soon as the chief priests and officials saw Jesus beaten and bloody, they shouted, crucify, crucify this man who's mocked with a crown and a robe. But Pilate said, you take him and crucify him. I have no charge against him. Now, now when they're pressed, they actually do have a charge. Finally, the Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. There is our charge. That is code for Messiah. Quite clearly, that is code for he claimed to be our hope. He claimed to be our salvation. He claimed to be our king. And that is the truth. But they do not celebrate. They do not even investigate. They are blinded by their hatred. They are united in their hatred. And how blind are they? Well, they revert, as we know, to blackmail. Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. The Jewish religious leaders are siding with the Roman emperor. Rome, whom they hate. Rome, the conquering, controlling power. These are the Jewish priests. Bloodlust at any cost. They're playing the short game they want to win now. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away. Take him away. Crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked, it's a true question, we have no king but Kaiser, the chief priests answered. So blind, the black bishops deny God. They accuse Jesus of blasphemy and they Weighed in the depths of blasphemy. You shall have no other gods before me, says the Lord. We have no king but Caesar, they say. It's no wonder, Jesus said to Pilate. You would have no power, Pilate, over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. They invoke judgment on themselves. They completely lose sight of the long game. They deny everything they're supposed to stand for, that they would say that they stand for. But they do win the short game, don't they? Within hours, Jesus is on a cross. 
and then dead, breathing his last. They get their objectives and their victory. Three days. Three days and they're trying to wonder where the body is and make up stories. And then this movement of followers of Jesus that they try and crush, it just grows under their noses. Until in AD 70, with more Jewish insurrection against Rome, the Romans have had enough. They come in and they destroy the city of Jerusalem and they destroy the temple completely. They are abandoned by God. They miss their Messiah. They are false shepherds. They are black bishops. They face judgment. Religious people, us religious people, particularly those of us who are leaders, we are at great peril. The peril that we lose sight of the truth, we forget about the end game and only ever play the short game. And so we protect our status and our power and hedge in our traditions and envy characterises us and a desire to control all of which we sanctify with love for God. But God's not fooled. We play the short game just to keep control and we lose. And it happens to Christian leaders. It happens to churches. You play the end game, which is the short game, and you lose. You take your eyes off the prize. And while we're criticising religious leaders and religious institutions, let's, meet, let's, 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 let's have a go at marriage. What's the end game? Or are you more interested in playing the short game in your self-righteousness? How dare you? Take him away. Take her away. Crucify. Take your eyes off the prize. And in relationships and at work and you play the short game. The game of self-righteousness that completely blinds you. You're the only one who's blinded. Everyone else can see. Remember, you have to be prepared to lose to win. Keep your eye on the long game. Next characters, the black pawns, the soldiers, foot soldiers of Pilate. They have very little power. They're just pawns in a bigger game. There's no real point having an end game when you're just a pawn. So you just play the short game all the time. And maybe you feel a little bit like a pawn in life. Just doing what you have to do to get through. Be very careful because, you know, we all, don't deceive yourself, we're all playing power games. We can't help it. Because these soldiers' response is absolutely fascinating. They have very little power. What do they do with the small amount of power they have? Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and the soldiers, with their small power, twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. 
and they clothed him in a purple, a royal robe. And they went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they slapped him in the face. Nobody wants to feel powerless. We will all play our petty power games as we are able. They do their job, these foot soldiers of persecution and mockery. They're saturated in their pride and their derision. But they don't understand the game they're playing. They crown Jesus. They wrap him in a royal robe. They shout his glory. They shout, hail, king of the Jews. As they humiliate Jesus, they don't realize they're exalting him. Who are you a foot soldier for? And how are you playing the game? Foot soldiers of Satan mock and deride the kingdom of heaven and play their little power games. And through it, God is glorified. He works his good purposes. He builds his kingdom. How are you being a foot soldier? Who are you a foot soldier for? What are your tactics? The black pawns. Finally, we come to the white king. Perhaps Jesus should, I should be calling Jesus the white pawn. Because he's being pushed around. He is at the mercy of far greater powers. He has no control, surely. Jesus' end game should be survival in this situation. Pilate offers him that option. But actually, Pilate, the most powerful one of all, he's playing the survival end game. Jesus' end game is the end game of the Son of God. He's playing the long game. Sometimes you have to lose to win. Sometimes you need to draw your enemies in to overthrow them. Jesus, the white king, offers himself freely as the greatest gift of all time to save his people from their sins. Jesus' tactic is love, the servant king who gave his all as an offering. He subjects himself willingly at his father's will to scorn and shame and bears the weight of the evil of the world as all the black army comes against him. Jesus is kind of like doing taekwondo or judo. All the weight all the energy, all the wickedness of the world falls in upon him and he takes that energy and he turns it on its head and wins. The irony is everybody gets it right 
The irony is the black team is kind of on his side. They just don't know it. The soldiers say, Hail, King of the Jews. They get a crown of thorns and they crown him and they put a royal robe around him. This is so fitting because Jesus' glory is his suffering for the sin of his people. A crown of thorns fits. The chief priests say he said he was the son of God. He said he was our Messiah. And he is their saviour, their conqueror who's come to set them free if they will only trust him and submit to him. Pilate, uh, the chief priests, they shout, crucify, crucify. And as they do so, they do the will of God. For this is how he will conquer and save and set his people free by dying on a cross. This is his father's will. And the Jewish leaders say, crucify, crucify. And Pilate, afraid of everyone, Pilate of all of the characters some comes really so close to seeing Jesus as he truly is. When Pilate challenges Jesus, Pilate heard this and he was even more afraid and he went back inside and says, where do you come from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate says with his power? Don't you realise I have power either to crucify you or to set you free? Come on, I'm the black queen. And Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Jesus claims absolute authority. Jesus claims to be judge. The one who handed, you over to you, handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Jesus has authority. Jesus is winning a victory. Just one week earlier, Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey colt. He was welcomed by the people. And he spoke of his victory he actually spoke at that time of his strategy for glory and conquest. Back in John chapter 12, Jesus is speaking to a crowd gathered around, including Jew Greeks, non-Jews. He says, the hour has come, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, here's the strategy. It remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. In verse 27, Jesus says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No! It was for this very reason I came to this hour. So, Father, glorify your name. Hallelujah, Lord. Glorify your name. Win the victory. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said, said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. They're not sure what's going on. This is hard to understand because it's making no sense. And Jesus says, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world, the leader of the black team, will be driven out. 
How? And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Here is Jesus' glory. Here is Jesus' strategy. Here is Jesus' method of winning. It's like being shown, you know, those, you, get, you get those things and they show you the tactics for the chess game for the masters and how they won. Jesus is saying, here are my tactics, everybody. This is how I'm going to suck them in and beat them. This is my glory. Jesus will conquer and win victory through sacrifice and suffering. His power game is the long game. His power game is the good game. It's the selfless, loving game to save others, to give of himself the greatest gift. And though it may seem that the white king is overwhelmed, he's playing to win. He's going to win a victory worth winning, the salvation of his people. What does that mean for us? Being offered this greatest gift. We who might say we are with the white king. I'm going to go back to John chapter 12 where Jesus is giving his strategies, telling people how he's going to win there in John chapter 12, declaring his victory. I left two verses out. Verse 25, after saying the seed must, die, seed must fall to become many, the seed must die to become many, Jesus says anyone who loves their life will lose it. Pilate, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. This is the way of the white king. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honour the one who serves me, those who follow the white king. You're with the white king. Pawns and bishops and knights and rooks. If you're with the white king, he calls you to play the long game with him. You do not have to win every battle. Very often that is just foolish. Your methods are not the same as the methods of the world. Your tactics are very different. If you're with the white king, our methods, our tactics are service and sacrifice. Because we're playing for eternity. We're playing for relationships. We're playing for wholeness. We're playing for humanity. We're playing for health and righteousness. I was working on this talk on Thursday. I try and generally get a bad talk finished by the end of Thursday and go home feeling miserable. And I was certainly at that stage in my office at about 5.30. I wasn't happy. I had this chess idea. I had this idea of stuff. And I wasn't sure what I was doing with it. And I um, went to print out my talk to take it home and sweat on it. And I grabbed three scrap pieces of paper from my scrap paper pile. The Chinese church and the new normal. No, oh, this is interesting. I don't know who left it there. I hadn't read this. It's from Global Chinese Ministries. So it's about the changes that the church in China is feeling, facing with an incredible crackdown and persecution and restrictions. 
A little bit like what Jesus and the disciples faced. Persecution. The world coming against you. And I read this from one pastor. And I think this is what I'm talking about. I think the Lord gave me this article on my scrap piece of paper. Scrap pile of paper. So I share it with you. Before he lost his freedom, one preacher reminded his church to once again consider what the foundation of Christian discipleship is. What's it like to be with the white king? He said, this Chinese pastor who's being imprisoned, I am Christ's disciple. I'm with the white king. Not because I've been baptised, joined the church or attended every Sunday. It's not because I've served in the church, paid tithes or said grace before meals. It's not even because I have experienced the wonderful grace of God. I am with the white king because I recognise and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That was the issue before Pilate and for the Jews. I am with Jesus because I recognize I am a Christian because I recognize a disciple because I recognize and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Everything else is secondary. The one whom the crowds rejected and who demanded his crucifixion. When we truly understand who Jesus is, that is the foundation for deciding to follow him for life. In a harsh environment when many, especially the powerful, slander Christ. This is not really persecution, but a time when we can truly know the Lord. A time that we can truly know the Lord. When the world comes against you, how will you respond? We're playing the long game. We're keeping our eyes on the prize. And in the long game... Everything in this world gets flipped on its head. The power of this world is weak. We live for the truth of God and the glory of God, which is ultimately revealed in the cross in Jesus, offering himself as the greatest gift for us. And that is our pattern. This is the power game in the kingdom of God. When the world attacks, however you perceive that, and you want to bite back, and you want to win that victory, and you want to crush, and you want the satisfaction of being able to say, take it away, take it away, take them away, take her away, crucify. Remember, you're with the white king. You don't fight as the world fights. Because with the white king, in the end, and that's what we're living for, in the end, love wins. Let me pray. Father God, you call us to a different kingdom with different purposes. We thank you for the example Jesus set. And we ask that you would strengthen us in the moment to follow Jesus. And to play for your end game. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.